Kia ora. welcome to Dancing in Your Head, the show which explores the outer reaches of music. And I'm Dan, and I'm joined today with our special guest, Jasmine Lovell-Smith. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Great for you to come in, and uh, Jasmine's come along with her partner Chris and their eight-month-old girl, Maya. And um, yeah, we're going to be exploring some of Jasmine's music. Jasmine is a soprano saxophone player and composer and band leader and teacher. And we'll be listening to some of your music today, which is exciting stuff. Yeah. Why don't we um, start with some music and then we can have a little chat about what you do. And Sounds and, good. Yeah. Tell us what's first up. So we're going to listen to a track called Darkling I Listen. And this is from um, an album, my first album that I released back in um, 20, 2012 called uh, Fortune Songs. Cool. Um, Let me just get the CD. Yeah. So, and who's, on, who's playing on this, Jasmine? Um, so this is with a band uh, from New York. And I was living in New York at the time I recorded this. And so the musicians on it are um, Kat Torin on piano, um, Kate Gentile on drums and Russell Moore on trumpet and Patrick Reed on bass. Cool, all right. Yeah. So let's check it out. This is Darkling I Listen. Yeah.
So that piece was Darkling I Listen. Composed by Jasmine Lovers-Smith, our guest today. I'll keep it playing in the background. Oh. <laughs> Great. Tell us about that. What was the circumstances of you being in New York? Um, yeah, what were the circumstances? Um, well, I lived there for a couple of years, between 2010 and 2012. And um, I didn't move there with too much of a plan, but um, I just kind of wanted to spend some time living in New York when I was at a period when I had been travelling a bit in the States and I didn't know exactly what to do next in life. And then that was, it sort of became an important period of my musical development um, in that I had kind of taken, that was like, I had taken some time away from focusing on music and that kind of being in New York was part of me coming back to that and being really immersed in um, both listening to and playing and composing music again and kind of getting excited about it again. So yeah, it was like a formative couple of years. Mm. Yeah, found some like-minded people to play with and um, yeah, just got a lot of inspiration from being immersed in, in a context where I could hear a lot of different live music mm. all the time, which was really good. Because you, um, you were saying before you studied at Wellington, was then at was it, it was Massey, Massey, Massey yeah, Conservatorium, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I remember, because that would have been, is that sort of mid-2000s? Yeah, version? like mid to early, early yeah. to mid-2000s, yeah. Because yeah. you were playing tenor saxophone yeah. then, eh? Yeah, I was playing tenor sax, and I I had the soprano for a while, but I um, it's pretty, I found it quite difficult to move between the two, like to double and... I felt like the soprano is really unwieldy in terms of um, intonation and things and I, I would always sort of play it a bit and be like, oh, this sounds awful and put it away. And then um, it was only kind of later after I had had a period of sort of taking a pause from my music career that I kind of came back to the soprano and, and focused on it more intensively and then it kind of got somewhere with, with it technically and then that mm. became... I just found it more rewarding than playing the tenor, so I just have focused on that pretty much since. I love the yeah. soprano saxophone, and it's one of the lesser played of the saxophone family. Yeah, I think I've, that's what I like about it, yeah. partly. It's like you don't have to contend with such a large cannon of of saxophone. Yeah. To sort of, and it's also, yeah. I don't know, soprano players can tend to be a bit more, a little bit, it's a kind of more, slightly more introverted instrument than mm. like... Uh, um, like the classic sort of tenor players are quite loud and noisy, you know what I mean? It's a big horn, yeah, whereas soprano is yeah. um, very... And soprano players, yeah, often, uh, oh, it seems like anyway, kind of um, specialise in soprano and maybe don't play the other horns as much. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you still play tenor? I don't play tenor at all. Um, yeah, I've played alto and a couple of... Um, chunks I mean I've never really focused on alto but I got an alto at some point in there and I I'm more drawn to that now than the tenor but I, I haven't played it in, in ages I just I just personally I think it's an amazing skill to double but I don't really get into that as a thing to practice because you, you just have to change your embouchure so much it's like a lot of technique to reckon with so I like to just focus on one thing and then not have to worry as much about technique yeah so I like to just focus on soprano these days yeah, mm. and and tell me a bit about your um, your 
composing and because all of the in this particular album we're listening to which is Towering Poppies Jasmine Love Smith's Towering Poppies that's your band yeah that's the band uh, name the yep. album's called Fortune Songs mm-hmm. um, all the pieces that you've composed yep. yourself yeah and is that do you write on the saxophone or do you compose on a keyboard or like yeah um, I've, I do I've done different things at different times and um, I think I I was in a period when I a lot of this music comes from some of it I was actually experimenting with writing it away from away from instruments so I some of it at least I wrote it just you know by hand on the manuscript paper um, and that was kind of I guess just something I was experimenting with um, as part of my compositional process but yeah there have been other times where I'm where I'm much more on the piano or um, I, I can remember that one of the pieces on that album definitely came from just practicing the saxophone and just kind of emerged out of me playing in the key of D flat for a long time and then what I kind of got to through that. So yeah, I've done different things at different times and I think that composing on the saxophone could be really great for finding kind of specific resonances that really work or, you know, things that are idiomatic that, that feel great under your fingers and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, but I guess I, I guess I keep trying to have to try different angles on the composing process to get different results. <laughs> Yeah, what is, what? Mm. How do you go about it? Thinking kind of notes and pitch relationships and harmonies and the kind of traditional I'm, stuff. I'm very. I think I'm very melodically oriented as a composer, and I tend to be thinking sort of from the top down, like writing a melody, and um, often then kind of like searching for the harmony afterwards, whatever's implied or depending how um you know sometimes it's like a very very tonal melody and the harmony is like sort of already there Mm. um and then sometimes it's yeah it's not so clear and it takes more searching (laughs) or some some of the pieces which are a bit more harmonically mobile sometimes they've happened in the other order like from the the harmony upwards but yeah, I tend to be very melody oriented, um, which is probably like a common saxophone player trait, mm. I would imagine, composing. Mm. Mm. And do you, within your groups, like in this instance with this band, mm. is it in the sort of jazz realm of playing a melody and then improvising an open section with some harmonic? Yeah, sort pretty, of pretty much. Or whatever? Yeah, there's a couple of. Um, so, so this specific band, I'd say mostly follows that kind of structure mm. of just, you know, kind of a head solos, head type of structure. And most, I think most or all, maybe all but one of the compositions on that CD were on one page. So they're kind of pretty short, concise oh, yeah. compositions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a couple that are a bit more collective improvisation based or a bit more. So the one that we listened to first up, um, it kind of has a, some more collective moments and less soloistic in the improvising, but it's still kind of a head solos head. It's just the solos is a bit of everyone together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe we should just fade up what we're listening to now and um, move on to the next cool. track. But Sounds it'd be good. nice to hear another um, piece off this. I think we're on uh, 
confidence too. Okay, should we listen to Love Is Not then? Sure. Um, Love Is Not is the one that I was saying that I composed on the saxophone. Oh, right. So that's uh, five, six, number seven. I'll just yep. skip it forward. Cool. So this is Love Is Not.
So that piece is called Lovers Not by Jasmine Lovell Smith, our guest. And um, what was the name of your band, Jasmine? Towering Poppies. Yeah. And then the same group or some of the same players as in the next yeah. album we're going to listen to a track from. Yeah, so this is um, a piece called Familia, which is from my second album, which was called Yellow, Red, Blue. And it's also... Um, Jasmine Lovell Smith's Towering Poppies, just a couple of lineup changes, uh, no trumpet and addition of bass clarinet. <laughs> nice. And um, this piece is from, I think it was recorded in 2015, and it's again recorded in New York um, with a quintet, but then it has an addition of um, a string section that was recorded in Mexico, because at the time I uh, made this album, I was living in Mexico. Yeah, so it's a. Um, international <laughs> collaboration. Excellent. Let's have a listen to cool. this familiar and then have a chat about it after. Cool.
that is a piece called Familia from Jasmine Lovell Smith's Towering Poppies album, Yellow, Red, Blue. Fantastic piece, Thanks, Jasmine. <laughs> it's uh, kind of next level compositionally from the first album. Yeah, this was definitely um, a period when I was more into kind of trying to stretch out into some bigger and more difficult compositions, I guess. I think on the first album I was kind of exploring writing small like things where we could get quickly to something improvisationally that were really comfortable. And then on the second album I was more stretching out a bit compositionally. And that was after I had done... Well, some of the music is from before, some from after, but around the time I went and did my Masters in Composition. Um, so, yeah, I was probably trying to kind of flex my compositional muscle a little mm. bit more. <laughs> yeah. Where did you do your Masters? Um, I did my Masters in, also in the US. So after I was living in New York, I kind of looked around what was nearby where I could go study, and I ended up finding out about a composition program in Connecticut at Wesleyan University, and I went there to do my Masters. Yeah. Cool. Mm. What was that like as a department? Like, um, yeah, it's a really interesting department. It's um, it's a school that has, at the time, um, Anthony Braxton was teaching there, um, the great experimental saxophonist and composer, and I guess conceptualist. And so I was kind of interested in working with him. And I think I found out about that program because there was a bunch of people in the New York jazz, or not totally jazz, but just I guess um, improvised creative music scene who kind of were interesting and I would find out that they had been to Wesleyan and they had worked with Anthony Braxton so it's kind of how I found out that that was a thing that you could do um yeah but it was it's an interesting department because it has had a lot of um I think Alvin Lucier famously used to teach there um so there was like a whole kind of um more sonic arts kind of or yeah I'm I'm not sure if that's the right term, but um, kind of experimental electronic music tradition there as well. And then there's a big ethnomusicology program there and a lot of um, world music ensemble. So it's like a really unusual music program. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but like a, a stimulating place, yeah, where you encounter a lot of interesting ideas. Yeah. Mm. And Anthony Braxton, originally he's from Chicago, and you recently went there and studied with or took part in some workshops with... Um, um, Nicole, Nicole Mitchell. Mitchell, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so the yeah. workshops were actually in, um, they weren't in Chicago, but um, she is, you know, out of that Chicago scene. The workshops were in Florida at this art centre called the um, Atlantic Centre for the Arts. So that's like a, I guess it's just a place they host different residencies. And so Nicole Mitchell came there and did one. And I got wind of it um, and went there with a bunch of people to kind of work with her and, um, that was cool. We did a bunch of improvising and um, talking about music, playing each other's compositions and kind of in the Florida um, sweltering heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in some cool little studios they have um, uh, sort of amongst all the tropical vegetation. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting spot, a cool creative spot and really great to get the chance to meet Nicole Mitchell and and talk about music with her. She's a really interesting musician. Yeah, what sort of stuff did you talk about and and play with her? Yeah, well, um, it was, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I think it was a lot to do with, 
improvising and in a way to do with um, different approaches to improvising or different kind of um, ways to integrate composition and improvisation. We had kind of quite an interesting group of musicians, um, from mostly from just, I think everyone was from the US apart from me, um, playing different instruments. So we had like, what do we have? We had a couple of flutes, a couple of saxophones, a trumpet, a couple of drummers. Um, that might be it. And then we had um, a woman who was doing kind of like voice and movement and poetry and just, yeah, and it was quite exploratory. Um, I don't know how to summarize what we did, but I think part of what was just valuable was, um, I think it was, yeah, it was interesting to be pushed in terms of improvisation, like I think Nicole Mitchell was like a very adventurous improviser, <laughs> mm. and I'm um, I'm not always a very adventurous improviser. Or I guess I'm I'm an improviser, but I'm not always an improviser who really likes to um, be super risk taking. Maybe so I kind of got pushed to take some more risks as part of that workshop. That was kind of challenging but beneficial. Um, but yeah, I guess I don't primarily identify as an improviser. I, I sort of feel like I'm more of a composer, and I like to improvise, but I usually like to have like a like a constraint or a goal or like a thing to react to. Like I find it quite threatening to just improvise. So yeah, but you know, it can also be a great learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really great. And Nicole Mitchell, for those who don't know, is a flute player, part of the AACM mm -hmm. from Chicago. So. Uh, a kind of younger generation from the AACM's going, been going for probably mm -hmm. 50 years or so. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, amazing lineage of music, creative music making from mm -hmm. that city, yeah, of which Anthony Braxton, who you mentioned, was part as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, should we have a listen to another track off that album? Yeah, cool. Um, so this is just the next track, um, and it is called Swan Song. And this one is um totally different vibe. It was originally a piece for a chamber ensemble. So this was originally a, just a fully notated piece for a different ensemble. Um, and I ended up um, get having – I wrote that as part of – I was attending a composition workshop in, in Mexico um, with a classical composition teacher just kind of auditing it when I was living there because I moved there with my um, now husband after graduate school and um, wrote this piece and it kind of had an unsatisfactory performance of it and then but I liked the piece and then I figured out that I could adapt it for my jazz quintet so we did that so yeah cool here we go Thank you. 
great stuff. That was uh, Jasmine Lovell Smith's Towering Poppies group with um, what's that track called, Jasmine? Swan Song. Swan Song from uh, 2015. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, recorded in New York and Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that track was just straight New York. <laughs> no Mexico on that one. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And then you, um, the next thing we've got lined up is the pianist from that ensemble, right? Yeah, so I brought in um, an album by Kat Torin. Kat Torin is the pianist that I've um, played on all the previous compositions I've yeah we've just heard. And she's one of my um, dearest collaborators, who sadly I'm not collaborating with much at the moment since she's living in the US and I'm here. Um, but she, this is an album of hers from, I'm not sure when it's from, it's older than 20... Uh, it might be 2009, 2010 Okay, cool um, Called Goodbye Farm And this is the first track It's called Don't Say It Out Loud So this is a bunch of Canadian musicians
So we're listening to an album by Kat Torin called Goodbye Farm and it's a track called Don't Say It Out Loud and Kat's the pianist in Jasmine Lovell Smith's Towering Poppies group, um, Canadian pianist, yep, I think. originally from Vancouver, now living in New York. Great. Yeah, fantastic piece of music. Um, we're sort of fading it down and talking over the top about the last piece we're going to play, which is... Uh, release from last year is that right Jasmine? Yep, so yeah. this is some more recent composition recorded in, in Wellington and um, it's from a, a large-ish ensemble album that I made in collaboration with um, a fellow saxophonist composer Jake Baxendale and we were um, working together as part of a concert series he was running called the Arthur Street Loft Orchestra um, where there were lots of different large ensembles for a while playing at the Tuatara Third Eye, which is now sadly closed down. Mm. But we were writing original music for a collaborative band as part of that. And then that project eventually culminated in a recording session and an album that was released last year. And that album's called Sanctuary. Um, and the piece is also called Sanctuary. So I, my um, contribution to the album... Um, is mostly one large piece in a few and a few movements and we're going to listen to the second movement of that which is called strangely familiar great and this is a bunch of uh, people of uh, who go to wellington jazz gigs a lot at the moment would recognize loads of names like uh, al campbell on guitar blair latham on sax Louisa Williamson on saxophone, Jake Baxendale, Jason Lovell Smith, uh, Rachel Eastwood, etc. There's like um, what yep, sort of about a eight, bunch, nine, yeah, piece, a bunch of great Willie Musos and um, Anita Schwab on piano, Hikurangi Chevron Kao on drums, um, Chris Bianco on double bass, uh, Kaito Wally on trombone, Ben Hunt on trumpet. That might be everyone. Oh, Rochelle Eastwood on the flute. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a cool band. Great. Well. Thanks, Jasmine. We'll play this. We'll go out on this track. Thanks Great. so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah. love listening to your music. And uh, people can hear you play. Oh, there's a gig coming up, actually, at Pyramid Club in, what, a week or two? Um, improvised gig with... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, with Adam Melville and Kristen Carter mm. and Chris Prosser. Yeah. Yep, yep so, it's coming up. Um, at least one, if not more, gigs coming up in the near future. Yep. And yeah. I'll be playing on the 1st of December at the Wellington Jazz Cooperative as well at um, Love Bites. So that's another one. Great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, cool. Jasmine. And this listen. So this is Sanctuary from uh, Jake Baxendale and Jake, Jasmine Lovell Smith's album of the same name. <laughs> 